Apostates Anonymous, the show you turn to when you're no longer an evangelical, with your hosts, hosts, authors Keith Giles and Matthew J. DiStefano. everyone welcome back to apostates anonymous yeah baby how are you today well i'm doing pretty good busy as always busy as always absolutely getting busier um i'm trying it's it's my own my own worst enemy i just keep i keep piling more things onto my my list but um you are the you are the busiest beaver um (laughs) as opposed to the bushiest beaver michael scott gives phyllis the bushiest beaver award on accident (laughs) the bushiest beaver that's a great line. That's classic. <laughs> yeah. So what do you have in the works these days before we get rolling? Oh my goodness. Um, well, I'm writing, I'm, I'm co-writing a book with December Rose. We're writing a book together. Um, Are you? When yeah. Do we have news on her book, her first book? Is it going to be on choir? Um, I have heard a announced? rumor that, that choir will be releasing that before the summer. Oh, good. Uh, I don't have an exact date, but when you know, you never really do with choir. You have a general sense. <laughs> Shots fired before Christmas. No, but before I think before the summer it should be out. Yeah, her uh, her book, uh, her excellent book, which I kind of helped uh, edit a little bit for the choir edition, and um, yeah, that's so that's the church can go to hell. So that'll be out soon. And then yeah, she and I are working on a book together about uh, love. Is it called Ebony and Ivory? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> We don't, we don't have a title yet, but it's going to be something about the the power of love or the you know the simplicity oh. of love. Okay. And um, yeah, I'm also working on putting together some events. Uh, that Awaken event in Nashville did so well. So, and by the way, there's a virtual version. If you missed it and you want to watch it, it's online. Go check it out. Um, that's on my website bk2sq1.com. That's where I have all my online courses and stuff. And Square One, and yep, the virtual event is there. But we're going to do, we're planning on doing one possibly in Fort Wayne, Indiana, maybe sometime in, in August with Karen nice. Shock. Yep. And um, I guess, see yeah, what else? I'm also doing this series on the Gospel of Thomas that I started over on Patheos. And um, they're doing like a subscription only thing now. Well, we're trying it out. It's like a pilot thing. Um, yeah. So my idea was to do, uh, like for five dollars a month, you get to read these exclusive posts every week, at least once a week, sometimes twice a week. I'm going to post, um, um, talking about the sayings of Jesus from the Gospel of Thomas and kind of making sense of them. And I, that's probably going to be a book eventually. I'm pretty sure by the time I'm done with this, I'll decide to make a book about that. So, yeah, that's That'll just that's just a slice, a little bit of what I'm doing. Just right a now. slice of Keith Giles. Just that's all. Bit. That's all people can handle. We that's can't right. handle the whole pie. Maybe. You can't. No, can't trust handle. me. I can barely handle it. You kidding? <laughs> yeah. God knows Wendy can't. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So, so yeah, I have uh, I have the second the second season of the bonfire sessions coming out. Sweet. So that's exciting. Yeah. yeah no, when does that come out? Well, I don't know. We're recording this on the seventh, uh, right around the time of this launching, the twentieth of April, four twenty, baby. Oh, you know four twenty. Yeah, that's perfect. perfect. Perfect for us. Yeah. So yeah, worth every penny, only 99 cents. People, check it out. Yeah, yeah. So now, just so I understand and people, listeners understand. So the, yes, sir. the uh, bonfire sessions, you usually release them in um, what quarterly, seasonal kind of themed, uh, exactly. smaller 99 cent versions. And then if, once they're all out, 
you can so buy. Yeah, so here's the, the big plan. Yeah, so uh, they are booklets, so 40 pages or so uh, uh-huh. on Kindle for 99 cents quarterly. And then there will be uh, a paperback on each full set edition. And then there'll be a trilogy of the paperbacks. Oh, wow. So, yeah, and then either either a box set or a hardback. Probably hardcover because box sets are like going to be super expensive. But oh, yeah. um, a, a, a whole collection will be a hardcover eventually in, in another couple of years. So that's the, yeah. that's the grand vision. That's cool, man. Now, see, now we yeah. had talked uh, down the road at some point, I believe Choir has a plan to like, collect all all seven jesus on titles into a single like massive hardback coffee table book that you can crush jesus. someone with yeah. and um and instead I've always... of beating someone with a bible you could beat <laughs> someone with keith's books there you go the jesus sun series yes and and i always thought like that was always ralph's idea like oh when we're done we'll collect this yeah. in one massive i'm thinking this thing's gonna no one's gonna buy this thing it's just ridiculously huge it's but, just for um, novelty's sake yeah but i think some people actually might because i i've been selling um like for like $99 on, on social media, I'll post like, you know, hey, if you want a signed copy of all seven of them for 99 bucks, I'll mail it to you, US only kind of thing. And dude, I yeah. sell those, I've sold a lot of those things. Like apparently really? people are willing to pay a little bit. So extra what do you just, you just buy them straight from choir and then sell Yeah, yeah, them. I just get you a box. I do that every now and then, but it's a pain in the ass to go to the fucking post office it and is. do all that shit. It is a pain. Yes, it is. So it's, I don't do it that often. But, but it's worth it though, huh? Yeah, man, because... Because people are like interested. I always sell them out. So yeah. people are like, always like, yeah. I need another one. I'm like, oh, sorry. I'm, I'm I always, stuck. I always hate doing it. But then when I buy, you know, a set of my own books, like 10, 20, I always sell them quick. Yeah. That's cool. That's so, a nice problem to have, isn't it? I, I guess. But then it's just. Then, the, you're, then you have no I, books. It's just, an, it's just annoying to me though, to have to go to the post office, buy the envelopes. Yes. Yes. Put the, put the addresses, like, you know, do all that oh, shit. I know. That part of it is so, a pain, yes. It's just a pain. I'm just bitching. Yeah. Is this a, is this a humble brag? A for a form I think of it is. Bragging? I think we're both doing a little bit of a humble brag. Man, I just sell so many of my books. <laughs> and that's oh. actually when. And don't be a dick. I say not to do that. And I use that example. God damn it. That's okay. Gotta listen to my own shit. Yeah, another right. another another pitch for that book. Yes, don't be. A there dick. you go. Shameless plug. Um, but before we get into today's topic, we have us another sponsor. Yeah, and a wonderful in, sponsor. In light of some of the things that are going on in Tennessee, we're going to hear from one of the legislatures. So let's get into that. Yep. Hi, friends. My name is Tom Beckerwood. I'm a proud Tennessee legislature. A Republican through and through. In tough times like these, with wars in Europe, skyrocketing inflation, and soaring gas prices, ecological disasters all over the world, I thought it would be a great time to talk about marriage. You see, I can't help but notice that ever since gay people started marrying, bad things happened. I'm not saying climate change is real, but if it were, we'd have to think it was the gays' fault. That's why I'm introducing a bill, HB768, colloquially called Marriage for Anyone but the Gays. While I do find it strange that people would want to marry children, or their dog Fido, or perhaps even their miniature goat, I want to make it clear that it is the will of God to allow such things. However, as the Bible makes it abundantly clear, marriage between a man and a man, or a woman and a woman and so on, is an abomination. So if we want the economy to function again, we will have to pass this piece of legislation. 
I urge my fellow lawmakers to not back down to the liberal elites and take a stand against these abominable so-called barriers. To donate, please go to www.mfabtg.org. That stands for Marriage for Anyone But the Gays. .org. And make a pledge for a better, less gay version of America. Thank you. All right, thanks, thanks, Peckerwood. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I yeah. gotta say, man, this is uh, doing this show with you has been so much fun. I I love it. I look forward to recording the episodes. I really look forward to doing the sponsors. Uh, it's a lot of fun. The sponsors are my favorite part, to be honest with yes. you. <laughs> yes, yes. I think this. I think that kind of stuff is so stupid and funny. Yes, and I hope it's people almost, enjoy it as much as we do. Yeah, it's almost like we 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 come up with these great little fake sponsors and stuff, and we just need to have an excuse to put it out there, so we have to record a podcast to to yeah. go with it. So yes. really, it this is really just you and I coming up with fake ads and then doing a podcast as an excuse as, as a vehicle. To share that with the world. Exactly. So now now that we've got the important thing done, now the rest of it is just filler. This is the obligatory filler episode. Yeah. So yeah, we um, we wanted to talk about something that I think, you know, you and I privately talk about this a lot, um, where we see quite often these memes and, and people posting things and then YouTube videos too. I see YouTube clips and stuff. And, you know, it's like where atheists will make these claims that, you know, things like um, fact- there is absolutely zero historical evidence to prove that Jesus of Nazareth ever existed. And I'm like, that is such bullshit. What are you talking about? There's plenty of evidence that Jesus of Nazareth existed. Now, that's, we'll get into the topic, right? But um, it just annoys me. So like, I uh, felt like we got to do a podcast episode to kind of put this to bed and and deal with this. Hopefully, I'm, I'm sure it's not once and for all, but at least as far as we're concerned, Here's our take on it. And it's, you know, here's the thing. I was just realizing this. Those kinds of memes and videos and statements from atheists are just as annoying to me as someone like Alyssa Childers doing a video about how, you know, historic Christianity always believed that, you know, penal substitution was the gospel. Like, it's the same level of, a, of frustration for me because they're both ridiculous propaganda kind of statements that go absolutely against all the observable evidence. And yet people can just do it and say it because, Oh, look at me. I got a YouTube channel or I got a, I have a Instagram account and, and people don't challenge it. People are like, Oh, okay. Yeah. For me, it's, so it reminds me of how people are approaching COVID. Oh, it's yeah. like you can find one or two credentialed historians who think that Jesus of Nazareth didn't exist. Right. And then you can find all the other scholars and historians, regardless of theology or atheism right. or agnosticism, yeah. whatever, yeah. who say that Jesus of Nazareth did exist. And what, what annoys me the most is that people, there's two things that annoy me is that people don't stay in their lane. Yeah. And that people then conflate historicity and theology. That's They'll a, say, yeah, Oh, how could the miracles of how could the miracles in the gospels be real? We know that stuff doesn't happen. So therefore, it's like, well, that those are like theological claims. Those are, um, or how can God, Jesus be the Son of God? I don't even believe in God, or, or there's no evidence of God. So 
But no, we're not talking about the Christological or the theological. We're talking literally about whether this person existed. That's right. And when scholars of antiquity say that there is, when they laugh it off and equate it to like the most fringe conspiracy theories, that's when I, like my strengths are like theology, mimetic theory, uh, hermeneutics a little bit, but not his, not, not necessarily history. Right. I'm not, a, I'm not an historian. So I have to trust some sort of scholar. I have to trust some sort of authority in some sort of way. We all do in some way. Yes, of course. Because we're not experts in every field. Um, but people like to pretend they are. So I, I just happen to <laughs> trust, I mean, like the scholars who say that he absolutely existed and that there is, there's no serious scholar, maybe one or two, who think that he didn't, that's kind of like saying there's also one or two scientists who don't believe humans exasperate climate change. But that doesn't... Right. <laughs> I mean, you can always find one or two in every field who are on the fringe. I just, I don't live in a world where I want to believe in all the conspiracies. Yes, exactly. You know, that's exactly right. It's it's sort of like, uh, maybe this is a bad analogy, but it's sort of like, you know, if if I just watched this movie last night called Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, and then I determined that that's ridiculous and that Abraham Lincoln could not have been a vampire hunter, therefore that proves he never existed. Sure. No, yeah. No, it yeah. doesn't. You're you're combining these two things. Right. Like one of them is this legend crazy story that someone stuck him in, right? Um, and do you think that because you've disproved the ridiculousness of the claim that he was a vampire hunter, you've disproven that he ever existed. That, that's that same kind of a, a thing of like, because I think in a way, some, some of these atheists, that is like you said, they're conflating history with theology. Like if what they mean is, and I guess they, they would just say this, if what they mean is there is no historical evidence that a water walking, you know, Lazarus raising from the dead, uh, floating up, ascending into the sky, Jesus <laughs> right. ever existed. I would say, well, yeah, you got some, you might have a point there, right? Because those are theological claims that, um, that's a, those are statements of faith. And so, yeah, if you want hard evidence, historical evidence for the miracles or that he was the second person of the Trinity or something, yeah, well, then, okay, you might have something there. But to say, but they don't say that, right? They say there is absolutely zero historical evidence that Jesus of Nazareth ever existed. Yes, there is. And we can talk about some of it, but um, but there's so much. There actually is a ton of it. And so, yeah, that's that's what I just felt like we had to respond to this, in, at least in some way, and, and uh, hopefully explain this and give some amount of evidence so the next time you see these kinds of things, if nothing else, just copy and paste the link to this podcast in the comments and, uh, you know, give it, give a rebuttal. That's it. Yeah. Please do always do that with our work. Please. You don't, we're doing the work for you. You don't have that's to say right. anything anymore. Just so post easy. our links all the time Just link because to we're it. experts. No, see that. And that's the thing. We're not even experts. It's like, no. I just want to defer to the experts who say that, of course, Jesus existed. Yeah. But like, let's use Bart Ehrman for an example. Yeah. Bart Ehrman is, because you could always say, oh, yeah, of course, apologists are going to want yeah. Jesus to exist or have to have Jesus exist. Bart Ehrman doesn't even believe in any of this stuff theologically. Right. I'm pretty sure he's sort of an atheist, definitely an agnostic. Yes. 
Um, he's not like, I don't think the new atheists who are like dogmatic about his atheism, but right. he's like, well, I just don't happen to believe in the transcendental or God in, in any sort of way. And, yeah. and, and so he's obviously not going to be an apologist for Jesus as the, a part of the Trinity or, um, Jesus divine nature in any sort of way, simply approaching it as an historian. Yep. Um, yep. And I'm not saying Bart, it's not only Bart Ehrman. It's, it's no. literally every historian of antiquity minus like Richard Carrier, I think. And yeah. one other, perhaps there's another guy. I can't remember. I think it's Robert, but his last name is price. It might be Robert price. I actually have seen a YouTube um, debate between Bart Ehrman and this guy, Robert Price, <clears throat> if I'm getting the name right, please forgive me if it's not Robert Price, but I think I know it's Price. Um, or er- Ehrman and Price debate whether or not Jesus was a historical figure. And okay, so yeah, that this guy, Price, is a, he's an historian. He's a, he's a scholar. He's, he's done a lot of study. He is an atheist. And, and he does take the position, or at least in this debate, he, he he drew the straw and said he would defend the position that Jesus didn't exist. And that's a good debate. I would encourage people to watch that debate because it's a debate between two atheists, or at least an agnostic and an atheist, arguing for the existence of Jesus from a historical perspective. And at least that's allows you to listen to the evidence or the lack of the evidence for yourself. But, um, but Ehrman is a great uh, example. I, I have a quote uh, because I wrote a blog. Before we did this, I wrote a blog post. Uh, Pat was about this, um, just to kind of get all my thoughts together. And, and there's a quote from Bart Ehrman, again, who is a former Christian, uh, who is uh, turned atheist. Turned, well, I, I don't know if we should say atheist. I, I think you said right, probably agnostic. Um, apo- but he's really an apologist for agnosticism. Like all every book he's written over the last 10 years has been pretty much designed to um, – to uh, to convince you that agnosticism is probably the better position. So he is not a Christian. He's flat out said this many, many times. He's not on the team. He's not trying to, he has no faith at all in, in Jesus or in Christianity. And, uh, and so I have a quote I came across where he said, we have more evidence that Jesus of Nazareth existed than we do for almost anyone else who existed during the same time period. Um, and uh, he goes on, I don't think there's any serious historian who doubts the existence of Jesus. And again, Bart Ehrman is an historian. So he knows, and I think in, in the same quote, he mentions that he knows hundreds of you know historians. He, he is colleagues with and knows and speaks at conferences with and writes forwards for the books of other historians. And like he, he is in the, he's in the game, right? He, he swims in those waters. He understands what historians believe, why they believe it, and what the consensus is for the majority of historians. And so for him to publicly put his reputation on the line and say, out of all the hundreds or thousands of historians I know, I don't know of any who doubt the existence of the historical Jesus of Nazareth, I tend to put weight on that. I I think Bart Ehrman is telling the truth, and he's right about that. Um, Because, and again, he gives lots of evidence for why why we have so much historical evidence for Jesus of Nazareth. Um, I can think one of the things that a lot of atheists, uh, and they're called mythicists, the one that believe that Jesus was a mythological character uh, completely, not just the, not just the uh, miracle part of it, but everything about him was a, was a myth. Um, You know, I think what they tend to do is if it's, if it's from the Bible, if it's the epistles of Paul, or if it's in, it's the new Testament gospels, we have to eliminate that. We have to throw that out completely. That's not um, that's not evidence. But as an historian, 
Bart Ehrman would say, well, no, it is evidence because Paul existed. Paul was a real person. We, we are, you know, yes, there's some letters of Paul that are in doubt, but at least seven of them that we would say he did write. And so we know that he was an historical person. These are historical documents. And he makes offhand disinterested comments in his epistles that, uh, that he knows the brother of Jesus, that he has met with the disciples of Jesus. Um, not to make a point that he existed. He's not trying to, he's not mentioning those things in order to convince you of, of, the, of this thing. He's just offhand mentioning it. And again, those are the kinds of comments, according to Bart Ehrman, that historians look for. So you get to count the New Testament documents as historical evidence, but they're not, that's not even the only evidence. We have evidence outside of that, that Jesus of Nazareth actually did exist as an historical figure. Right. Yeah, I don't like taking it too far like that like mythicists do is because I mean I'll I'll agree with you like you said if you want to if you want to argue that the Jesus who literally is written about in the gospels existed, I would say no, that Jesus can't exist because the gospels are all different. Right. And, and it, it, <laughs> right, it is true that the writers of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John have theological axes to grind, have theological points to make. Yes. Um, they are using Jesus and, and creating a mythology out of that. Um, of course, Gerard would say it's the anti-mythology. It's it's the character who we see is the uh, the innocent victim, whereas whereas in traditional mythology, the the victim is guilty, right? right? So when we write mythology about Oedipus, Oedipus definitely had sex with his mom and killed his dad. Right. That's how that myth goes, right? Yes. Um, he didn't intend to do those things. He actually right. did do them. Yeah. And he is the cause of the plague right. on Thebes, and the plague goes away when he goes away. Right. Uh, the mythical narrative of the Gospels is opposite, where um, we have evidence of that, like, I mean, I'm not saying historical evidence, I'm saying mythological evidence that, sure. um, you know, when, when the centurion's like, surely this is the son of God, like, because he, that, that character in, in the story acknowledges that, well, this is a lynching, uh-huh. right? This is a murder of an innocent person. Yes. So we have that in the, in the mythology. Um, so yes, it's, it's formed as a mythology and it's kind of anti-mythology in its, in its orientation, which is a lot of what the Hebrew Bible does. It kind of breaks us away from the traditional mythological uh, narrative. That Jesus, though, didn't literally exist, I don't think. Um, yeah. All the things that is said about Jesus aren't all true. They, they, there are contradictions, as Ehrman would point out, in the New Testament yeah. writings. Yeah. But that is, but the, the, from what I understand, and I'm not an historian of, of philosophy, the same could be said about Plato. And right. writings about characters. And, and so if we took the same approach that some people take to Jesus and we take that argument to Plato or Socrates or Aristotle, yes, those people didn't exist either. That's right. And so it's like less, all, we have less writings exactly. about them and less evidence right. about them. Yeah. So we, we hold Jesus to a standard or, or the character of Jesus or what's written about Jesus to one standard, but, but no one's going to say, oh, Plato never existed. Right. So we're holding it to a different standard. And, <laughs> right. and that, I find that, I mean, I, I have guesses as to why that's true because they don't want i guess i guess if jesus existed then it's possible that he's god and they they don't want to go that route but it doesn't necessarily mean just because jesus existed that everything theologically said about him is true that's right yeah exactly right 
Yeah, um, I do. I think that's uh, definitely part of the part of what's going on. Is like it seems like it's it's a quick and easy way to dismiss Jesus completely, um, but it isn't. It's just not accurate. Like that isn't uh, because yeah, like you said, just because the the miracles and all that stuff, you you can debate all that stuff, but he he did exist. Um, Damn it! I was my brain. I was gonna say something. I just totally lost it. Damn it! Old man, old man Giles, Giles here. Oh, uh, what was I gonna say? Um, well, well, while I'm thinking about that, let me just mention this because it's right in front of me here. Um, so we there there is evidence um, that uh, outside of scripture, and I'm gonna just list a couple of them but, yes, because again, uh, I, I want to be I want to be fair to the skeptics because like. I, I would even admit that not every reference to Jesus outside of Scripture is um, good evidence or strong evidence. So, uh, for example, there's some quotes from Josephus that are in question, and I would agree with them. Like, yeah, it's 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 suspicious that like there's at least one uh, quote from Josephus about Jesus that appears to have probably been inserted by a Christian at some point because it's way too, you know, uh, glowing. And uh-huh. affirming, but but other than that one, there's another one. Um, let's see if I can find this. Isn't one. there something by Tacitus? Yeah, there's a couple of them. So I'm I'm skimming my article here. So well, well, one of them is Tacitus. Uh, yeah, he was a Roman uh, historian, and um, another historian uh, similar to Bardarman, his name is Edwin Yamucci. He he refers to this quote from Tacitus. Uh, quote as probably the most re- the most important reference to Jesus outside the New Testament, according to him, um, because uh, in AD sixty four, Tacitus reports that Nero's blamed the Christians for the fire that destroyed Rome, and so here's the quote: He goes, Nero fastened the guilt on a class hated for their abominations called Christians by the populace. Christus, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of Pontius Pilate and the most mischievous superstition thus checked for the moment again broke out not only in Judea the first source of the evil but even in Rome so um what's those so are not those are not glowing terms those are not no no this is from <laughs> a hostile source this is again another right. thing historians look for the, again so I, this isn't something manufactured by christians cuz this quote is not pro christian at all no. So, but it, but it, but at the same time, even as it's critiquing Christians and it's critiquing Christ Jesus, um, it's confirming right that he suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius. That's what the New Testament Gospels tell us. Uh, by at the hands of Pontius Pilate. Yep, there you go. That's that's also confirming a detail, um, uh, and that you know they were trying to kind of stamp out the followers of this of this Christ Christus. Um, but they were unable to do so. And so all of those things are confirmed in this quote um, from Tacitus. Again, these are the kind of things that say, and again, it's not even saying this Jesus was the Messiah and the Son of God. No, but it is confirming he existed. It was a person. According to yeah. Tacitus in AD 64, they they knew of a guy named Jesus of Nazareth, who they called Christ, Christus, who inspired these followers and and had these specific details about his life. That are confirmed in the gospel. So again, historical evidence that there was someone named Jesus of Nazareth who did fit this, these sort of um, confirming these details about his life. Yeah, the New Testament just calls it the Son of God and the truth and the gospel. Tacitus is saying it's an evil superstition. Yes. <laughs> so yes. So it's it's two ways to look at this story. 
about this one character, but you're right. And, and historians are right. Like this runs counter to the apologist because the apologist would put it in positive terms as proof. And that's what every Christian apologist does. But this sort of evidence is no, this guy started an evil superstitious following that we were unable to totally clamp down and they are to blame for the fire. They're the scapegoat. Yeah, that uh, that's to blame for the fire that destroyed much of Rome, right? A big yes. portion, a big portion of Rome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so there's another quote. So I found the Josephus quote. So again, I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna acknowledge that there is a quote from Josephus that is a little bit dubious. And so even if you eliminated that one, you say, okay, that's just a little too far. There is um, there is another quote from Josephus from his Jewish antiquities. Um, and it's more along the lines of the Tacitus quote. So, um, so you can find this. So, so he says that, uh, Josephus says that, um, there was a man named James, um, who, uh, was condemned by the Jewish Sanhedrin. And he, and he says that this James was quote, the brother of Jesus, the so-called Christ. So now we have again, the confirmation that James another historical figure who was identified in the gospels as uh, or in the new Testament as the brother of Jesus. Um, the book of acts does that. Paul does that. Uh, the book of, you know, so, so historical historic, other historical evidences, um, identify James as the brother of Jesus. And here Josephus is doing the same saying that this guy, James, uh, who the Jewish Sanhedrin did not like particularly like very much was the brother of Jesus the so-called Christ. So and even so-called, that quote, so-called is backhanded. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's it's acknowledging that his name was Jesus and that there was a guy right. named Jesus, and but it's it's doubting whether he was the Christ. Right. Again, yeah. It's like it's like if I say Keith, the so-called Christian. That's right. Or Keith, the so-called writer. I, yeah. I'm obviously like that is <laughs> a ex- huge dig, right? I do exist. <laughs> yeah, so. you exist, but you're not really that great of a Christian. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Exactly. And um, I think it's. Uh, yeah, so those are those are just some examples, and then there's also an ex- a reference in the the Babylonian Talmud, which again the Talmuders are like Jewish writings uh, from rabbis that were collected roughly between eighty seventy and two hundred. Um, but uh, in in the Talmud, there's a reference to Jesus again, a critical reference, um, where that says on the eve of the Passover, Yeshua or Yeshu was hanged. For 40 days before the execution took place, a herald cried, he is going forth to be stoned because he has practiced sorcery and enticed Israel to apostasy. So again, a a critical reference to uh, Yeshua, or yeah, so like Joshua, right? If you don't know, uh, Jesus is is an anglicized way of pronouncing the Jewish name, which would have been Joshua or Yeshua or Yeshua. So again, again, a reference to um, that on the eve of Passover, again, it's confirming a detail from the Gospels, uh, this Joshua was hanged or, you know, again, that would be a euphemism for being, like being nailed to a cross. Um, and that he was someone that they felt was put to death because he was practicing sorcery and enticing Israel to apostasy. Again, from a Jewish perspective, that would be true. That's the way they saw Jesus. They, those, they rejected him anyway. As the Messiah, if he's not the Messiah, well, then what's he doing? Well, he's some kind of a sorcerer. He's trying to trick people, and he's not trustworthy. And he got his, he got what he deserved, right? He was he was executed before the Passover. 
So those are just some examples. Um, there's way more, but I uh, I don't. But some of them are probably you know can be debatable, and I don't want to take us too far down the rabbit hole. But there are other. The point is there are other historical references to an actual historical Jesus outside of the New Testament. Um, but even then, the New Testament documents are historical documents, so we can count those. But they're not the only ones. They have others that also reference them, and again, usually in uh, from a hostile source. So I don't think it's fair to say that there is absolutely zero archaeological or historical evidence that Jesus of Nazareth ever existed. It, there, there is evidence that he existed. That evidence does exist now. If you wanted to say, I want to debate that evidence, I want to question that evidence, then that's great. Then let's talk about that. Let's debate the veracity of these of these historical documents and this evidence. But what we're now what we're doing is we are admitting that there is historical evidence. <laughs> and now what we're doing is just saying whether we accept it or not. Yeah. But but again, it, to just take it to the level of there is zero. Well, no, there is one more than zero. Way more than zero. Well, yeah, there's way. Yeah, I think that's a good point. There's way more than zero. The people who say that there's no evidence, it's like, well, why is there no evidence? I mean, I am not an apologist for the Bible, but the New Testament exists, and you can say what you want about it, but to to think that just because there are biases and prejudices in it, yeah, there's that in everything. There's no such thing as objective journalism or objective um, historical documentation. Everyone, even even the, the critical points, like the critical yes. points of Tacitus and, and Josephus and others, they are writing through a Roman lens to build up and prop up Rome, right? right. We would do the same thing. Our historians have constantly written American history. They've, they've written slavery and the brutality of slavery out of it. Yeah. The, uh, the trail of tears and the genocide of the native Americans. Yeah. Uh, we write it like in high school. In, I mean, in, in like, you know, K through 12, I never learned that Mount Rushmore was a sacred mountain for a tribe of first peoples. That's I never right. learned that. I no. learned that as an adult. Right. And so that, yeah. how did we write our history books in K through 12? Well, Mount Rushmore celebrated these great presidents, wonderful things that they did. Isn't it great? Yeah. They stole land and they carved up sacred spaces of and people who are already here faces. and put white men's faces up there. Uh-huh. Now, that's one way of looking at it and our way of looking at it as American colonialists. Is, so, so what's the truth? Well, the truth is more likely – I'm not even going to say somewhere in between. The truth is le- less likely to be accurate when it's written – by an empire and colonialism and the victors of something. That's right. <clears throat> yeah, and, exactly. And so I, I'm actually more inclined to to take some stuff from the New Testament as more accurate because they're not the people who won. Right. Ultimately, like they're all written by Jews and they lost in 70. Yes. yes. And so like that, that to me is almost like I want to listen to that. I'm not going to take it, you know, at face value and everything's true in it. Absolutely sure. not. However, I'm going to listen to that more often than I'm going to listen to, oh, who won? You guys won? And you're telling the story? Okay, let's, this is going to be unbiased. Sure. Right, right. Now, listen, now you and I are both 
um, very open to criticizing biblical sources and questioning. 100%. Yeah, we do this all the time. I've been doing all this for a long, long time. And I don't, I, I don't take everything uh, at face value. And I do no. question things. I mean, I'm, I'm uh, because I'm doing this whole study on the Gnostics right now and, and all that stuff, I've been listening to all kinds of uh, lectures and things by Ehrman and Price and a bunch of other people um, on early Christianity and re- discovering more and more like the more I peel that onion, I realize what a freaking mess. Oh my gosh. There's like- From the jump. From yes, the jump. From the jump. There is so much stuff. So I know that there is there are good reasons to doubt and question some of the veracity of some of the claims in the New Testament or even certain books and all that kind of stuff. So I get that. To me, that's a given. But even with all of that, um, it's just pushing it too far to say that this whole Jesus, that Jesus himself was invented as a character for some sort of agenda. Um, and so typically I've heard, um, I've heard a lot of atheists try to make these claims um, and there's several on YouTube. If you haven't seen them, you can, you can look at them. I think they're ridiculous. Um, but that these ideas that, yeah, yeah. I think like the Romans, uh, you know, kind of like Constantine, you know, again, I see Constantine co-opted an existing movement for him and he did a wonderful job of that. But their, their claim is that, well, even before that, um, you know, they, they were sort of, uh, inventing this religious figure to kind of control the populace, right. To kind of, uh, to dupe people into thinking, Hey, if you worship this guy, well, he's going to teach you to turn the other cheek. He's going to teach you Romans 13. He's going to teach you to, uh, you know, uh, support the empire and pay your taxes. Right. So that that's, so we invented this character of Jesus to, uh, to, to prop up, you know, our, our own ends. But here's my problem. This, and I, by the way, this I'm just now remembering. This is what I was going to say earlier. I knew it would come back to you. Keith. It finally came back to me. Um, so if if we're going to believe this idea that Jesus was completely fabricated, right? There is no historical Jesus. All of it was fabricated to to do these things to prop up the Roman Empire, um, to create a to create a, a more pliable, easily manipulated uh, populace, you know, citizens that would go along with whatever you said. Here's my problem with that. <clears throat> well, one of my main problems with that. At what point in the history does Jesus get invented? Because, because okay, it seems pretty quick uh, that that the Gospels are written, that Paul's writing these letters. In fact, the funny thing is Paul's letters get written before the Gospels get before written. Before the Gospels, yeah. So who is Paul writing to? If there's no, like, in other words, like, let's start from scratch. Okay, there's, we, we, we're going to invent this character. We're going to call him Jesus. Okay, um, great, good name. Um, where are we going to say he lived? Jerusalem. Good, that's good. Write that down. Okay, good. And uh, so we're going to make this whole story up. Great. And then we're going to write letters to, to who? <laughs> there are no churches for this guy yet. We haven't invented them yet. Do we have to invent the church first and then write a letter to the church? Well, how do we convince those people to be in the church? Like, at what? and then it's like, because I've also heard that 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 some of the fabrication came much later, like closer to the time of Constantine. And then I'm like, well, damn, not only now did you invent this character of Jesus, then you had to invent four different gospels and and play and, and invent those, hire some guy to write all these four different versions of the gospel. Then you gotta write all the letters of Paul, and then holy crap, you have to write like nine hundred letters of church fathers quoting Jesus, quoting Paul, because it's all made up. None of it's real. Damn, if that happened, that is the greatest and the most complicated 
fabrication in all of history. So you had to invent Origin, Tertullian, Irenaeus, like all these characters. You had to invent all of them and, and all the drama between them. You had to invent all the pseudo-gospels that also got eliminated. So Philip and Thomas, you got to invent those too, because you know they're all about a guy that never existed. I mean, it just reaches a level of just ludicrous ridiculousness. Like, that isn't even possible. How in the world? And why would you go to that much trouble? It just seems like it, it, there'd be an easier way. <laughs> this is this is where conspiracy theories for me fall apart. And we've talked about it on Heretic Capier and why I do hold and maintain that there probably are some conspiracy theories that are true. Sure. However, my big test is how many people involved. <laughs> yes. Because you and, I, you and I are involved in the Heretic Happy Hour, and my God, it's fucking... <laughs> With four of us, it's herding cats sometimes, like right. and trying to get a guest and this and that. And so you want to talk about thousands of people involved? Yes. At Over that point, I'm years. like, yes. nah, <laughs> no. If you got if you got a small group of people in a room, yeah, and you can come up with some shit, like, okay, I can listen to that conspiracy theory. Uh-huh. But if you're talking like like the flat earth, you got all the people guarding the ice wall. <laughs> What the every, fuck? You, or, every uh, pilot who, who has ever flown. Every pilot. Thing, yep. every, it, just some random guy that got his pilot's license and is flying a little Cessna around all the way from him to got people flying for Southwest and American Airlines. Yeah, They're all in on it. Everyone. Um, they've all sworn secrecy. All the scientists, all the astrophysicists. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay. every scientist, every NASA now, scientist. Yeah. Go fuck off because that's <laughs> bullshit. So the same thing. Like, yeah. You invented gospels that are slightly different that, you know, that they're some, all about they didn't Jesus. Quite, they're they all didn't about quite Jesus. make the cut. So you, right. you were brilliant enough <laughs> to make them different. Like Jesus dies on a different day. We're going to give him a different genealogy so that yes, it looks historical. When, when historians look back, they're going to go, oh, this, okay, so we see the differences here and yes. this is how it would come about. There are going to be differences and we don't want to make it too unified because then it's these people who are just going to be, oh my God, right. there's something going on here. Yeah, so even the, the approved, even the approved gospels that you invent, you on purpose make them all slightly different. Because you're that genius. <laughs> because you're just a genius, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it just reaches this level of absolute... And you're yeah. going to conf- gonna confuse all the historians in 2,000 years, except for two of them. Yes, and they're the ones all, who... They're on they're the ones. They right, figured it out. Right, right. It's like, <laughs> it, going back to like, it's like COVID, it's like... You're going to find a couple doctors who happen to think like this therapy works or these vaccines don't. And then 98% of them are going to get vaccinated, but those are the wrong ones and these are the correct ones. Yes. Just like climate science. There's 4% of scientists who don't believe in climate change as as man-made or human-made. Yeah. And there's 96 to 98% who do. (laughs) And they're the wrong ones. Of course. They're all wrong. Yes. They're all wrong. Yeah, no, it's like exactly. I, I get there's some sort of skepticism to authority. I get it. But when it comes to like scholarship and things that are outside of my lane, that's when I, again, going back to what I said earlier, I have to put my trust in someone. Yeah. Some group. Yeah. Whatever that, if it's biology, chemistry, physics, all the sciences basically that I'm not an expert in, medical stuff, histor- historical stuff. I mean, I could go on and on and on. You're a mechanic. Yeah. You have to put your trust in someone. That's right. So exactly. who are you going to put your trust in? Yeah. Some guy with a shitty YouTube video or <laughs> or all the scholars who say one th- other, one thing and agree that this person existed. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, so again, it's just it's just one of these things where I get so annoyed when I see these memes and I, I watch these YouTube videos of people claiming they have proof that Jesus never existed or or that there is no proof that he ever existed. And it's like, <sighs> so again, if you're going to do that, then do what we're doing. Then list all the uh, historical quotes and evidences and all the people like Bart Ehrman and, and uh, these other historians. And then one by one, discredit them. Show that their evidence is false. Break it all down. And then, okay, well then maybe now you have a case. But to just... You know, close your eyes, stick your, plug your ears, and say there well, is. And no don't evidence. and don't and don't make a shitty YouTube video. Go get published in peer-reviewed journals, and there and go go go, pre, go go teach history at Duke <laughs> right. or North Carolina uh-huh. or, or or any major university. Like, yes. go do that. Stop making these shitty YouTube videos and memes, and go teach history. Yes, at, at a world-renowned university. Yes, and that and that's a great point too, right? Because people like Bart Ehrman. They're, he doesn't teach at, you know, uh, what's the Liberty, Liberty. University or something, right? Yes. <laughs> Sorry to throw all of our Liberty listeners under Sorry. the bus. But yeah, you know, exactly. You know, these people, like, for example, one of my favorite um, kind of like, you know, New Testament Greek scholars is Elizabeth Schrader. I love her. I think she is so great. I love listening to her lecture. She's done amazing work with the Gospel of John and pointing out how Mary uh, Magdalene was kind of erased from that gospel. But again, all of that is based on scholarship. She's teaching at these universities. She's writing these peer-reviewed documents. Um, and she's having to defend her work. And this is the thing, too, that we ha- that, that's a good point. Like, you know, someone like Bart Ehrman can't just make a claim like that because he is teaching at this uh, at this level. He's at, where is he at? He's at North Carolina. And, yeah. and before that, he was at Rutgers, and yes. he graduated from Princeton. He has yeah. to defend himself against the best. That's right. So if he makes some kind of a claim, he is going to have to defend that, and he's going to have to defend it, um, not with memes, or yeah. <laughs> or or cool YouTube videos. He has to have evidence. He has to back it up, and it has to be documented. It has to be from reputable sources. And so, um, yeah, I I I, I just. I'm sure this will not end the argument. I'm sure probably right after we do this, uh, probably before the end of the day, I will see another meme or some other quote trying to claim that Jesus never existed. It it continues to persist, but um, I at least hope that we can give some counterpoint, some time, some, you know, uh, uh, what do they call it? Equal time to, to this idea that no, there really is evidence. Go and look. It really is there. Um, Again, just because we're saying that Jesus of Nazareth really was a historical person, he really existed, um, that is not saying that everything everyone says about him, even in the New Testament, even in early, even in the early church, is necessarily true also. But no, I'm not even a I'm, I don't even identify as a Christian any longer. Yeah. So it's not like I, I don't have like my theology and my worldview, I don't if Jesus never existed. I don't know. I mean, I would write about different things probably. Yeah. But as far as like my own individual spirituality. Yeah. It wouldn't really matter. Just like if, if uh, Guatemala Buddha didn't exist, like if yeah. he was just a mythological character. Yeah. Uh, no, I like the teachings. No, that's so. exactly right. And in fact, when we had Bart Ehrman on here at the Cappy Hour way back when, um, early on, that was like the first year I think we were doing the podcast. We had him on as a guest and uh, we were talking about Jesus. And um, I think we, I even brought up the question of, you know, some people saying he never existed. And um, 
And then I think I made the comment like, well, you know what? If Jesus didn't write the Sermon on the Mount, I want to know who did because I think it's genius, right? So even if, like you said, so let's, that's great. Let's play, play devil's advocate. If Jesus somehow you could prove was fabricated and he never existed, but the teachings still mean something. Those teachings are, I to me anyway, and like you said, same with Buddha and Socrates and a lot of many other, uh, you know, people that even if you could prove that they didn't roll, well, that person didn't really exist, but someone wrote it, someone came up with the idea and the ideas are powerful. The ideas are significant. It is worth, um, there's value in, the, in those things. So, um, even if, but, but, but at the same time, there's no reason to doubt that Jesus existed. Right. Uh, plenty of reasons to believe that he actually did. Right. That's why, that's why I loved, and I told Brian McLaren this when we interviewed him just recently, his answer to who is Jesus to you now was like perfect for me because it was like, it was, it was about a, a, a teaching and a way of approaching how did Jesus approach the marginalized and economics yep. and um, ecology. Yep. And so we're asking the same questions now. And for Brian, it, Jesus had a brilliant approach to his time and place. Yep. Our approach may be different because we're dealing with different things. I mean, we're dealing with the same sort of things, but in different ways. Yeah. But we have to be radical. We have to be bold. We have to be subversive to, um, you know, the hierarchical powers. And that's what Jesus was. And yeah. whether he existed or not, that that's I think that's a great approach. Yeah. Now, of course, because all scholars say that if, if, if all scholars came out and a bunch of papers were written and they were like, yeah, actually, we were wrong. We have some new evidence that Jesus really didn't exist. Uh-huh. Then I would, hey, I'm the type of person who would say, shit, I got to go with that because I, again, I'm not an historian. So scholarship right. is showing. But that process of scholarship is way more vetted yeah. and critiqued and scrutinized than your meme. Or your YouTube video, like I, you can go post anything on YouTube, you know. So within yeah. reason, but it's not vetted. So yeah. if, if scholarship goes one way, it's been peer reviewed and critiqued and debated over, yeah, and way more than all of us who are not in academia. Yeah, and that doesn't mean academia is perfect. I'm just no. saying. No, exactly right though. Yeah, absolutely. And then yeah, I think um, I, I I agree. I thought I thought. McLaren's answer to that was was really great. I I've, I've tried to express it in the sense of like, was Jesus right about the basic fundamental challenges the human race is facing? Right. I think so. I think Jesus puts his finger on, you know, the the the, the causes of a lot of our problems today. Um, the root of the the root cause of the problems that we're facing uh, when it comes to poverty, when it comes to uh, hunger when it comes to the abuse of power, uh, empire. Um, yeah, I think Jesus, he, he, he saw it, he called it out, he nailed it, he put his finger on it. He was, and he was right about it. And that, and nothing has really changed about those problems and those struggles. Fundamentally, we still have those same problems. And so, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I find great value in, in what Jesus said. And I do believe he probably said them. I did, you know, but again, you know, the, again, the, the, it's debatable, you know, if you want to then say, did Jesus say this or not? You know, there's been the whole Jesus seminar thing about 
going through the gospels and the red letters and saying, well, do we think this was sort of, did, did the author put these words in the mouth of Jesus? Do we think he really did say these things or not? Like now again, now that's a good, good conversation to have. Again, scholarship is, is applied here. Um, and so again, that's a good conversation to have. That's worth having. Um, I, I find value in that too. I found value. I find value even to the, to the degree, again, atheists love to do this, uh, pointing out similarities between, um, some of the legends about Jesus and like Mithra or, mm-hmm. you know, some Egyptian things like, you know, I don't think all, I don't think a lot of those are actually also kind of embellished and, uh, people are trying way too hard to kind of shove Jesus into some of these, uh, models, but Hey, those are valid. It's worth saying, is it possible that um, legends about Jesus were influenced by other pagan or you know other other religious sources as a way of uh, deifying Jesus or you know making him a more uh, vibrant kind of religious figure? Well, yeah, probably some of that. That again, um, that's worth investigating. Let's look into that. But it none of those things prove that there was no historical Jesus. Like it goes back to my whole thing about Abraham Lincoln, the vampire hunter. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) just because some people later on made up some stories about Jesus that may or may not have been accurate. That doesn't prove if you, once you've disproven those, you haven't disproven that he existed. You just disproven that the legend or the story that, that was embellished wasn't true. Yeah, and and when you compare the the mythological nature of the the New Testament and the, and the Gospels with other known mythologies, you're you're not proving anything really. I mean, because yeah. it's a non sequitur to then say, therefore, Jesus is fake, just like the rest of them. Because there's plenty of us who realize and have noticed, and you know, Gerard notices this probably the best. Yeah, is the similarities. But you also have to notice the differences too. Yeah. So just because something, just because something in a story takes on a certain structure, does not mean that they're all borrowed from one fake thing. Therefore, they're all fake. Right. Um, mythology always seems to have a narrative. You know, if we if we study Joseph Campbell, there's a hero's journey. Yep. Um, the way we write stories follows a certain pattern. Yep. Whether those stories are fiction or nonfiction or somewhere in between. Yes. So you can find the hero's journey in the Lord of the Rings. You can find yep. it in Star Wars. You can find it in Dune. You can find it in, as we're pointing out in the book, The Office. As something as mundane <laughs> as as a as a working office, yeah. human characters go through certain journeys in life and they all kind of look the same, even though the details are vastly different. Yep. The yeah. same is said about Jesus. And we many of us have pointed those things out like of course not even jesus of course going back to genesis of course (laughs) cain and abel looks like romulus and remus right of course there's a flood narrative of course there's all these mythologies yes there's a creation story there's a creation story those are the types of things you all so let's yeah let's the it's boring as shit to look at oh they're all the same (laughs) really i mean yeah. I notice a lot of differences. The interesting stuff is, okay, then what's different about them and right. what might those differences say? Because that's a way that to me is a way more compelling conversation than, well, the Babylonians had Enuma Elish, therefore everything's bullshit in the Bible because they have a flood story. It's like, God, how boring of a conversation is that? <laughs> I'd rather say like, okay, this is Enuma Elish and this is the Hebrew flood story. Let's see if we can notice some differences and what might it say? I'm not I'm not an idiot. I'm not going to take these literally. No. But what might they say 
about what the writer is trying, what's the truth behind what the writer might be trying to say yes. and the differences. Yes, exactly. No, it's exactly right. Yeah. And, and absolutely. I think there's the possibility that um, some of the authors of the new Testament uh, documents were borrowing um, some of the style. Like I, I, again, I, this is a very popular as the atheist uh, claim um, that uh, there are similarities to the journeys, uh, the missionary journeys of Paul and Barnabas to um, uh, like Homer's Odyssey, right? Uh-huh. And um, now I've looked into that. I have I have tried to take that seriously. I've looked into that. I've tried to to see is that true? There is some similarity, but it's really minor. But um, but maybe there's enough to say that the authors had that in the back of their mind. Exactly. Right. And so again, so what? That just that's just them trying to make the story a little more interesting. Um, trying again, it's no different. Like with your example, like it's no different than when someone makes a movie today about a historical person, and then what do they do? You're not going to film every little stupid little thing, you know, because well, it has to be accurate. Well, what did he do that morning? When he got up and he brushed his teeth and he stubbed his toe. Like, no, no, you take those parts out. You make it more streamlined, and and you even. We'll take this event over here and this other event over there and you kind of put them together because it's easier in telling the story if they all happen at the same time or in a certain sequence. It doesn't mean those things didn't happen. It just means it's easier to tell the story this way if we combine some things within the story or leave, I leave out a couple of details in the story or maybe change something slightly. Um, it's not saying that it didn't happen. It's just saying it's it's more interesting to tell the story in a certain way. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the same thing is true with like um, like I just watched... Uh, a few a while back, uh, the the movie Selma, right, which is about Martin Luther King. Love the movie; it's a great movie. But then, of course, after I watch any any kind of historical film, I will go up and I'll look at IMDb and I go to Wikipedia and I go to I go look online and I'll I'll see you know how, what's the difference between the real history? Did it really happen this way? And there's always little elements of like, well, no, that didn't actually happen there; it happened later, or this person didn't say it; it was this other person other person that said it. Yeah. Um, but again, it doesn't mean Martin Luther King didn't exist. It doesn't mean that that conversation right. wasn't had. It exactly. doesn't mean that this thing didn't happen. It just means, yeah, some of the details are different. But again, it's not proof that because a few bits of the story were slightly fictionalized, that the whole thing is fiction. Right. I, like my family, we love Hamilton. Yeah. But that doesn't mean just because like Hamilton wasn't actually spitting rhymes and have uh, like was in love with Angelica. And he was the first black. Uh, um. <laughs> They're all black. Actually, George Washington was black, too. Shit. I never knew that until I saw Hamilton. I didn't realize all those people were black. <laughs> that was really eye opening to me. That's kind of, I mean, I kind of look at the Bible as like kind of it's I mean, it's not a perfect analogy. And I just came up with it, pulled it out of my ass. But it's kind of like the same. Like, I know that probably everything said about Jesus isn't right. Right in the Gospels, sure. Just like Hamilton wasn't wasn't spitting rhymes, and you know, in a in an all black battalion, except Lin Manuel Miranda's uh, Puerto right, Rican, right. I believe. So, yeah. but you know, and Anthony Ramos is, I think, uh, Puerto Rican as well. But uh, point being is that just because some details are fictionalized or hyperbolized, yep. We're not going to sit. Well, uh, I saw Hamilton, and I know it's bullshit. So therefore, Hamilton never existed. Hamilton never existed. (laughs) Case closed. Hold on, now your meme is funny, but it's also stupid. You know what? Though I like the Hamilton analogy because you know what? I think that's exactly that's exactly what's happening. It's like okay, everybody, 
I just watched this thing about Alexander Hamilton. And one by one, I'm going to disprove it. He wasn't black. He didn't walk around <laughs> singing and dancing. There was no hip hop back then. There was no hip hop. Didn't exist. I can prove that. Like I can prove it. And because now I've gone through and I have disproven everything about Hamilton, conclusion: Hamilton Hamilton, never existed. Hamilton did exist. That's kind of what's happening. I think with a lot of with a lot of it. It's a lot of that. It's like we we're like, oh, hold on now. Did Jesus die on Thursday or Friday? Right. Hold on. What's his real genealogy? Yes. And the apologists have this like they try to mash it all together. Uh huh. And therefore, it's all true. Like, that's their way of proving Jesus was true. Right. And you're like, well, that's stupid, too. That's right. Like, like the genealogies are different. Like, but just to, just to acknowledge that. Yes. As Gerard says, the Bible is a text in travail. Let it be what it is. Yeah, yeah. But don't, don't then swing the other way and say, well, it's all... They have... A lot of the atheists have the same hermeneutical and exegetical methods. Yes. They just conclude the opposite thing because of the problems in the Bible. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but your 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 approach is the same, and <laughs> but your conclusion is different, right? But what if what if we just had a different approach to it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's funny because they um, again, as I'm, I'm I'm sorry if I'm a, maybe I'm taking it off on a tangent, but because I'm a, I'm in the process of doing this Gospel of Thomas thing, um, th- that reminds me of like how like all the arguments against. Uh, the Gospel of Thomas being accepted as as a legitimate sort of collection of the sayings of Jesus, because that's all it is. It's just a collection of sayings. So on the one hand, people, critics of Thomas will say, well, yeah, but uh, half of the sayings are already in the in the Synoptic Gospels. Uh-huh. But some of them are, are new sayings that don't appear in the Synoptics. I go, yeah, but guess what? The same thing happens between Luke and Mark and Matthew, like, and John, for sure, right? So you have between the four Gospels, some of them have him saying some things that he doesn't say in other gospels, just like Thomas. So why, why eliminating Thomas because of that doesn't make sense. And then they say, oh yeah, but it was written much later. Yeah. So was John. Like, like yeah. all of these arguments uh, to eliminate Th- Thomas are like, but they're the same arguments. They're, they're, you overlook those same arguments to include the synoptics and John. So yeah, it's just, I have the yeah, see that's why I have the opposite of Marcion. Yeah. Like he wanted a condensed canon. I'm like, open the whole thing no, exactly. up and let's look at the broadest picture. Yes. And 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 we'll take some things with a grain of salt. If something's written two hundred years later, it's like us writing yeah. about the eighteen hundreds. I'm gonna say, Yeah, that's yeah. That's probably, you know, I just know my own life. Like if you if I have to write about what I wrote what I did a week ago, I might have an issue. <laughs> that's right. So but let's just broaden the whole thing and, and, and have that discussion. Yeah. But, uh, maybe that's a Canon, canon, and and authority maybe is a different. We're coming up against the hour mark, so yeah, yeah. Uh, any, maybe, any any parting shots? Uh, I don't know. Last well, words of wisdom. I just shameless hope, plugs. <laughs> um, yeah, I would just say, you know, uh, was there an historical Jesus? Yes. Is, is there proof that Jesus was the the second person of the Trinity, the creator of the universe, and walked on water? No, that's something else. That's a statement of faith, and. Uh, you know that that is absolutely something that could be argued and debated, but whether or not he existed, he existed, and I I feel very confident. Again, not just because I said so, but because I'm quoting people who spent their life studying history, who stake their claim on it, who can't just say things off the cuff without having to prove it using evidence. And those people, the vast majority, the vast majority of historians agree there was someone named Jesus of Nazareth who actually existed. 
There you go. And my last my last word would say, if you're an atheist, that's cool. Yeah. Stick to the problem of suffering because that's your <laughs> argument right there. There you go. The Odyssey, how can a good God allow so much suffering? Yep. I still don't have an answer to that. And yep. and I mean, I have answers to it, but even I'm not satisfied. Right. And as David Bentley Hart said, that's the one argument for that atheists have. Yep. That has any sort of weight and pull. So if you're an atheist, stick with that because... Yeah, well, we're kind of stuck if if you stick with that one. No, no, that's exactly right. I, I totally agree. Yep, that is the that is the hardest thing to answer, and Christians definitely internally wrestle with that question. And I don't think there's a good answer. I think there are answers. Thomas Ord, Mark Harris have, I think, better answers, but they're still not seamless. They're not perfect answers. So maybe we just set up our next episode. Let's talk about suffering. Let's do that. I like that. All right. It'll be a, either a very short <laughs> podcast or a very long winded bloviating one. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and again, thank you for our sponsor. Thank you. Um, I look forward to our next sponsor and, and please rate and review if you're listening to this podcast. Please do. Yes. Please between do. one and stars, one between one and five stars, please. Yes. And the next time you see a meme or a YouTube video by an atheist <laughs> claiming Jesus never existed, please Copy and paste the link to this podcast in the comments. We would be so grateful. Yes, we will debunk everything. <laughs> All right. Bye, Keith. Bye. Take care.